This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Today, uh, <clears throat> I want to talk about the subject of the Proverbs 31 lady and other impossible dreams. If you know your Bible and if you've read Proverbs 31, you know that's a tall order that's put in there. That title doesn't come from me personally. It actually comes from a book. It's a book title that was written several years ago by a lady by the name of Marcia Drake. And uh, she wrote uh, this, uh, this book from a perspective of, of trying to embrace the principles that are given in Proverbs 31 and relying upon the Holy Spirit to do that. Proverbs 31, just verse 10 out of Proverbs 31 says, Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies and I will say that that is absolutely true there's no no value to a uh, to a wife to a woman to a mother who who lives her life as as a as an extension of God's glory in her family and to you mothers who are doing that I want to thank you so very very much <clears throat> in this particular book uh, Marcia said I was lying in bed reading my Bible and eating a large bowl of popcorn, trying not to get grease stains on the pages, when I found a description of the woman of all women. My husband's snores and relaxed face assured me that I was not bothering him while he slept. So I read on. And then she talked in the book about her own personal quest to pattern her life after the woman who is described in Proverbs 31 and described in this particular verse as a woman whose worth is far above rubies. And it talks in Proverbs 31 about the woman who is an administrator, a seamstress, a chef par excellence, the one whose children bless her and whose husband praises her. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that is a tall order for any woman to try to achieve. And I suppose if you try to live up to those standards without the power of the Holy Spirit within you, it can become quite intimidating and quite frustrating, in fact, quite impossible. I think as Christians, we all want to do better. I think most Christians want to be more like Jesus. They, they want to please God with their life. We have... We have noble ideals that sometimes when you read the scripture, it can almost seem impossible. And I'll tell you, without the power of the Holy Spirit doing it for you, it is impossible for you to pull it off. But I still think that it is a good thing to desire to be all that God wants you to be. Even if it means being a Proverbs 31 woman, if you are a woman. At least desire is the first step. And this is what I want you to understand. Whatever has been conceived on the inside of you will eventually be birthed by you. Now, you mothers all understand that from a very human point of view. The conception of that child within your womb eventually brought forth the birth. But that is also true spiritually. Whatever is conceived in you, whatever is allowed to grow in you, will not stay in you forever. It will come forth. 
And you know, God wants to place in you, he wants to conceive in you an incredible dream and desire for your life. I think that that's a holy thing. I think that that's a good thing to allow God to conceive inside of you, not within your, your physical body, but within your spiritual heart, because out of that will eventually be birthed the miracle of what God wants to do in your life. David, who was Israel's second and probably most honored king, wrote the 101st Psalm, and I was impacted by the first two verses that really set a standard for his life and for every Christian man or woman. This is what he wrote. I will sing about your loving kindness and your justice, Lord. I will sing your praises. I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. I suppose the reality of the depth of your Christian life is 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 measured in your home that's where the rubber meets the road so to speak that's where the real us comes out we can come to a church meeting and look just proper and act just proper for an hour but you know when we go home and everybody sees us that's why i i, I love the definition that i once heard uh, from someone who said who defined being a success this way he said it's when those who know you the best love you the most. Why is that? Because when they know you the best, they know every part of your life. And when they know every part of your life and still love you and still honor you and still bless you, then you have been a successful person. What he talks about here in, these, in, in this psalm are challenges, I think, that each of us need to, to uh, set for ourselves, goals that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to conceive within us. But, but since today is Mother's Day, I want to I talk with you moms. What are your goals, mom? What are your goals? Is it just to have a baby? Or is there something deeper that you want God to do? Certainly that's a high calling. Motherhood is a high calling. But is it the highest calling? I don't believe so. I think the highest calling is what God wants to do with your life. And you embracing those goals. You embracing that dream. What kind of a woman do you want to become? What kind of a heart do you want to have? Years ago, a young rising star in Hollywood who played a, a number of roles of I guess you would say youthful innocence, was interviewed by a national magazine and she said that she was tired of her, in, of her image as a good, wholesome girl. She wanted to star in roles where she could play a girl kind of on the edge and you know what we're talking about. And you know, she did that. And it was interesting to look at and see the pattern of her life. As you look down the road of her life, she began to, to live those desires. She ended up going from man to man and husband to husband, and she got the really edgy roles that she desired. But when she was interviewed towards the end of her life, she was an empty shell of a person. Her name was Elizabeth Taylor, and I guess she got what she wanted. The truth is, 
You could go down a long list of names of young women who started out with great potential in their lives only to end up on the scrap heap of failure and personal destruction. Sometimes you get what you want, but you end up getting different than you want. You and I may not be stars in Hollywood, but it still matters what's going on in your heart. It still matters what you desire. It still matters what you want because what you want is conceiving in you what you will become. It's interesting to me to see David's heart in these verses. He says in verse 1 that he's determined to be a person who praises God no matter what's going on in his life. Oh God, I want to praise you. I've been at, 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 when you live as long as I have, you've had some ups and you've had some downs. You've had some joy, you've had some sorrow. You've had some pain and you've had some hurt. And I certainly can remember times when I've gone through physical pain in my life and I've cried out and I've prayed to God for deliverance from it, but I've made it very clear to him that I am going to praise him regardless of the pain that I feel in my body. I'm going to give him praise regardless of the balance in my checkbook. I'm going to give him praise regardless of the success I feel as an individual or as a man. That's what, that's what uh, David was saying. God, I am determined to be a person who gives you praise. And then in verse 2, he commits to living a blameless life. Wow. Before the Lord, especially, he says, at home. You know, it's amazing how free you feel when you are living a life of integrity. But of course, the opposite of that is also true. So let me ask you, when you come to church, how free do you feel? If you don't feel free, is it possible that you're not living your life right with God and you know it, and so you don't feel free? Is it possible that your life is not filled with integrity? Is there a barrier between you and Jesus? Sometimes I think we, we get, come with the idea that, well, it's just not per, my personality to be free. And I, I understand that each of us have different personalities. But, you know, the, the scriptures are clear that the Holy Spirit gives us for, for freedom. I, God has set us free, said the Apostle Paul. We are to be free. Now, that doesn't mean you're to be just like me, but we are to be free in our worship of God and our expression of God. But sometimes the enemy will corrupt our soul and in so doing, keep us from the very freedom God wants us to have. So when you come to church, how free do you feel? Do you express your love to God? I want to talk with you about this by looking at the life of one mother that is mentioned in the scripture. And her name is Mary, and you know her well. She was the mother of Jesus. It seems to me that we either worship Mary or we ignore her. I think they are both wrong. She is unique in that she is the only woman in history chosen to bear the Son of God, chosen to give birth to the Messiah. Mary was not a perfect woman, but she had something about her that set her apart. And I want to talk with you for just a few moments what I see in her life. I want to talk to you moms about what I think are important things for you to have in your life. The first thing I would say is that Mary had a heart for God. 
She had a heart that was sold out to Jesus. Now, maybe not Jesus at that point because Jesus hadn't been born. But the attitude of her spirit was she was sold out to God. This is what the angel said to her in Luke 1, 28. Greetings, Mary, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That scripture tells me two things about Mary. Number one, that she was highly favored. Not just favored, but she was highly favored by God. And secondly, it tells us that the Lord was with her. I thought to myself, what makes a woman highly favored of God? What makes a woman of such character that the Lord wants to be with her? And then if she could be highly favored of God, is it possible that maybe I could be highly favored of God too, that you could be highly favored of God? Those are important questions. You know, I have a feeling that every woman, every mother, every man, every father in this place wants the favor of God upon his or her life. Mary had the favor of God. How did she get it? Well, I think that first and foremost, she had a heart for God. That means that God had her heart. That means that God was first place in her life. She didn't play games with God. She lived authentically for him. You know, there were millions of other young women living in Israel at the time that this angel came and visited Mary. But God sent this angel only to her, only to Mary. The reason is she had a heart for God and God could see that. Maybe a heart for him unlike any of the other young women of her time. You know, I have known a lot of people through the years who, who make bargains with God. Do you know what I mean? They'll tell God that if he will bless them in some way, that then they'll do such and such for him. They'll live for him wholly. They'll commit themselves fully to him if he will bless them first. Or maybe they make some sort of a vow to God to get themselves out of a jam. God, if you get me out of this jam, then I will whatever. How many deathbed bargains have been made to God through the years? Only to be forgotten when the crisis is over. You know what I mean? 14 years ago, nearly 14 years ago, it was the Sunday right after the 9-11 tax on the World Trade Center, the Pentagon. I want you to know that this auditorium was packed full. It's pretty full now, but it was packed full that day, that Sunday. People who hadn't been to church in years were here. They came because they were scared. They were scared that the end was near, that the end was upon us. They were scared another attack would come. They wanted to be protected by God, and they wanted to be ready for eternity. And so they came to the only place of security they could know. They came to church. But when the crisis subsided, so did their newfound commitment to Christ. But this is what I have learned, and I hope that you will hear me. Jesus uses, Jesus blesses people whose hearts are fully committed to him. Constantly. Up front. You want the blessings and favor of God on your life? Live your life fully committed to Jesus up front. Don't say, God, I'll commit after you. Bless me. 
You commit first, and then the blessings will come. If you want your life to be favored of God, you need to make a decision to follow him fully, to follow him constantly right now. It's your commitment now that sets the stage for God's blessings later. These principles are all throughout Scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Jesus says, Give, and then it will be given to you. What do you do first? You give then it'll be given. When Israel was ready to invade the promised land, Joshua received a word from God to tell to the people. It's recorded in Joshua 3, 5. He said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. We love the amazing things part. It's the consecration part that we fail in. We love the receiving part. It's the giving part that we fail in. There's the pattern that's giving, given in these verses and throughout God's word. If you want the Lord to do amazing things in your life, there's something that you must do first. You must consecrate yourself to him first. If you want to receive, you must give first. You know, we want to receive first, and then we'll give. But that is backward to God's principles Revival comes only after concerted prayer. Blessings fall upon the prepared. That's why God chose Mary. Her heart was prepared. Her heart was fully devoted to God. She had no idea where that preparation would take her life. She had no idea she'd be the mother of Messiah. But that's the, that's the beauty of serving God. The windows of possibilities open up when you fully commit to him. I was reading in the scriptures this morning, 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. I will tell you just in a little background of this particular scripture that Eli was the priest and, and the judge over Israel at this time. They did not have a king. And Eli was, had a good heart, but he didn't discipline his sons. His sons ran rampant over the, uh, the, the affairs of the, of the tabernacle. Uh, they, young women would come to make their offerings to God. They seduced them and bring them into, into adultery and, and fornication. They, they, uh, they were young men who took the best of the sacrifices and got fat off of it for themselves. In other words, they were dishonest clergy in every regard. And, and Eli didn't try to fix the situation. He didn't try to correct them. And because of that, God sent a prophet to Eli, and he said, judgment is coming upon your household. And the reason I share this scripture with you, because it brings this, this basic same principle back to us. It's in 1 Samuel 2.30, where God says uh, through the prophet to Eli, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. You see, if you want to receive the honor of God, first it. Because this I have learned, the closer that she gets to Jesus, the closer she gets to me. The more solid her love for Jesus, the more solid her love for me. So Mary, her heart was for God. Secondly, she had a heart of integrity. It wasn't religion to her. She, she professed it. She lived it when it was easy and when it was hard. You know, the prophet, prophet Isaiah had foretold that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And, and, you know, that's an impossible thing. We all know that virgins can't have babies. In fact, Mary reminded the angel of that very fact. She said in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, How can I have a baby? How can this happen? I am a virgin. 
And the angel replied with the truth that we all need to remember, even today. Verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. When you think that it's impossible, it's not impossible because what is impossible with men is still possible for God to work. God can take a life that is wholly devoted to him and do absolutely impossible things through that person. So it doesn't matter what your ethnic origin, it doesn't matter what your bank account is, hallelujah. It doesn't matter what your education or degrees, it doesn't matter your family history or your career, it doesn't even matter your past sin. God is able to take the weakness of men and turn it into the powerhouse for his glory. And it all comes through a person with a committed heart. Mary was a young woman when she received this word from, from, from uh, the angel. We believe that she was a teenager at about this time in her life. But what I want you to see, that she had kept herself pure. She was sexually pure. She was, she was a woman of integrity. Matthew 1.25 says that Joseph did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. That's Jesus. She had no sexual relations prior to the birth of Jesus. She had kept herself pure. She had fought youthful, uh, youthful lusts and had kept herself as a young woman unto God. She had no idea the consequences of that would be, that she would be the mother of the Messiah. She had no idea what God would do with that commitment. She just had made that kind of commitment, and God used it and made her the mother of the Messiah. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, yes, but Pastor Jim, I've already failed at that. I have violated a life that is fully devoted to God's glory. It's too late for me. But this is what I want you to understand this morning. God so thoroughly forgives that even if you have failed in your past life, a new surrender to Jesus Christ today erases all of the sin, hallelujah, and gives you a brand new start filled with the future of God's blessing and God's favor. David said in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Maybe you haven't lived perfectly. Who has? But God is telling you today that if you make the same choice to set yourself apart for his glory, you too will be highly favored of God third thing I see in, in Mary is that she had a heart for her family. Mary told the angel, Luke 1, 38, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. Do with me as you want. Because she knew her commitment to the plan of God for her life would not only bring God's favor to her, but would bring God's favor into her whole family too. I will tell you that the greatest gift Carrie gives me is her love for Jesus. That's what drew me to her. Not only was she hot, <laughs> woo, but um, she had an on fire touch of God upon her life. That's what drew me to her. The greatest gift that she has given to our children through the years and now our grandchildren is her committed love for God. Because it's Jesus that gives a woman the ability to love her husband fully. 
It's Jesus that turns a selfish person into one who looks for the good of others. It's Jesus who heals bitterness. It's Jesus who heals anger in a woman's heart from hurts of her past. It's Jesus who turns what the devil has meant for evil into good. It's Jesus who releases the favor of God upon a life and upon a family. Some of you men are experiencing the favor and blessing of God upon your home right now simply because your wife is full of love for Jesus Christ. And her love for Jesus is bringing the blessing, it's spilling the blessings over into your life too and that of your children. You know, through the years that Carrie and I have led churches, we have known past, we have known husbands who were jealous of Jesus, jealous of God. If their wife loved God too much, they gave her a hard time over it. Such a fanatic. I will tell you that those men were fools. Don't get jealous of your wife's love for God. Cherish it. Welcome it. Embrace it. Because the closer she gets to him, the more he will draw her to you. It's the greatest gift she can give you or her family, her love for God. The angel said to Mary in Luke 1.28, the Lord is with you. I want the Lord to be with my wife too. I want the Lord to really be with her. We have gone, we've been married, it'll be next month, 44 years. During that amount of time, we have dealt with some critical issues financially and physically. We've had some cancer issues. There have been some scares, some issues that we only had Jesus to turn to because we knew the help of man was very, very limited. We needed Jesus to be near, and he was. I'm just simply telling you, if you need Jesus to be near, all you got to do is say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. So how about you, Mom? Does Jesus have all of you? In fact, I think that's probably a great question to ask every person in this place. Does Jesus have all of you? I just want to tell you two things about that thought. Number one, what I have learned from God's word is that either if God doesn't have all of you, he doesn't have any of you. Either Jesus will be Lord of all or he will not be Lord at all. He won't accept part. I'm not talking about perfection. I am talking about a commitment of heart that says, God, I'm yours. It's so what we did with these children this morning. What did we do? We dedicated them to God. Now, they have to follow through with that, but we made a promise that, God, if you will help us, we will help them. We will help them. 
And the second thing I want to tell you is that if he's not all of, if he doesn't have all of you, that today is the day, a great day, to make that decision to give your life fully to him. Would you bow your heads with me? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.